Vincent the Dude coming to you from the volunteer state of Tennessee, right by the banks of the old Tennessee <laughs> River, Michael Vincent. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, hey, good Monday afternoon from a uh, slightly wet uh, Fred Alley, which is nice. Colorado, uh, the Avalanche, they're getting their names on Lord Stanley's Cup. Yeah, and, it sure um, uh, appears that way. Sure it, appears sure, that way. it sure appears that way, right? You know, if they had got their three-peat, yeah. it would have been the first NHL three-peat, or in, first NHL oh. three-peat in 40 years since the Isles in 1982, and the first pro sports repeat since the Lakers in 2002. So okay. 20 years of history. I did not Thanks know again, that. Thanks again, Colorado. You took that from us. Way to go, Avalanche. Go Avalanche. Uh, but hey, Old Crow Medicine Show, brother. You get that dance with your wife over the weekend? A little bit, yeah. It was, it was a right. great event. They got this place over here in Pelham, Tennessee called the Caverns. It's about an hour from here. It's in the middle of nowhere, though. Like yeah. when you... You drive. I remember, like driving back from there, there was no less than four deer in the road. Any squatch? Yeah, and it was one of those places that. Um, so it used to be they had a cave there, and they would do concerts within the cave. Oh, okay. COVID hit, they couldn't do concerts in the cave, so they erected a temporary amphitheater on their grounds, which were absolutely amazing out there in Pelham, Tennessee. It's okay. on a mountain. There's a big natural cave amphitheater, and they turned this into a five-person venue, and this was the opening night of it. The only problem is that I don't think they'd run a 5,000-person five event yet. Ooh. So there was, you know, it's a huge bottleneck getting sure, in there, sure. huge bottleneck getting out of there. We made sure to leave a little bit early in, in case that it was going kind of late. Anyway, uh, we got a clip from it. Let's take a look. There's a cave amphitheater. They're using that as a as a bar right now. Oh, okay. And of course, there's old. Bro. So this is outside. Stage and stuff's outside. The stage now? is outside. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And they have uh, regular seats for like Adirondack seats that were like the reserve seating, and then they have a uh, lodging camp out in. In fact, uh, if you want to see in the cave, a couple weeks ago you could have seen uh, Weird Al Yankovic blast from the past. Oh no kidding! Yeah, and I know Trey Griggs will be excited. Weird, uh, Vanilla Ice is playing there in September, so uh, <laughs> ice, ice, he can baby. always he can always get there. We need to uh, settle an argument, by the way. Oh, also. The Caverns, I think it's thecaverns.com. Try to catch a shot there. It is absolutely wonderful. It just I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. In God's country. Uh, you were talking to me on Friday. You were saying that this was a doll in the tractor. Let's take a look at that clip. Never talked about my favorite subculture with him, which is oh. goth farmers. Take a look at this is girl this right here. Celeb- Let's check this. Wait a minute, dude. What do you think? Let me see. That's a doll, dude. That is not a doll. Yes, that's, it is. That's a doll. Why? What would? It's not even a fully articulated doll, bro. What would lead you to believe that that's a doll? <laughs> because look at the close up on this thing. Do we got a close up. I'm looking on this? at a close up of this thing. Mr. Obama's daughter. <laughs> See? Wow, real life's a doll, you're Michael. What'd I tell you? What I tell you? <laughs> I've been framed, man. What? And this isn't just like a photo op. She's going to turn this thing on. She's going to drive away. She even knows how to pull that little ladder up on her internet. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't a photo op. I mean, this is how she normally goes. On, this is normal behavior these days that people do. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. I haven't set up a frame. And apologize to the Goth Farmers of America. I apologize to the uh, Organization of Goth Farmers of America. Um, <laughs> I take back everything, half of what I said. You know, uh, today we wanted to take a little bit of a different approach with some of our guests of the show because we've been talking so much about the freight market, but there's real people yeah. that are involved in this, right? There certainly are. What does that mean for jobs, right? So we're going to look mm. is now a good time to get into freight. And we're going to look at a couple of different sectors. We'll talk to yeah. an expert about trucking. We're going to talk to an 
expert about getting into the sales side at a brokerage. We'll talk about just getting into the business in general over in the freight tech side. I know some people in freight tech might be nervous too. We've seen a lot of that, uh, that startup money starting to vanish, right? And you're starting to see the cuts come out. I'm sure there's a lot of planned cuts out there that we haven't heard yet. However, I'll give you a little bit of good news and why transportation may be a good place. This isn't a doom and gloom kind of thing. Okay. In fact, John Kingston, he reported a couple weeks ago that trucking executives, as much as they may complain about bringing jobs on, the May employment report released by the BLS showed that for the third time in the last four months, the truck transportation category in May added a double-digit number of seasonally adjusted jobs. For the month, the number of jobs added was 13,300. Nice. That continues the run of record light levels of employment in the trucking sector. Now, one thing to look out for in those numbers, uh, yeah. one thing that John identified and that makes a lot of sense is last year, record number of authorities, record number of drivers going independent. Sure. Some of those numbers may be owner operators or people who became independent consultants or people who took advantage of all of that money is that that was out there and are thinking of becoming employees. But that's good because this is what this episode's about. If you're thinking about becoming an employee, we'll get to you. We also got some other news on uh, how to take care of your wheel locks and things like that. And mm -hmm. oh yeah, AB5, speaking of John Kingston, he was here on Friday. He was all excited that there might be some kind of ruling on AB5. He expected it today. That did not happen. So it looks like the can has been kicked down the road to at least the fall, according to him. Yeah, yeah, that came out today. So the injunction remains in place right now. It does for now, so yeah. no changes. So as it has been since uh, New Year's Day 2020, That's right. it's still in effect. So nothing to nothing worry about there. just yet. All right, let's tip the band. We'll get into it. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall. If you're ready to seize it, start re-engineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact Locomation at Tell them, dude. Hey, go to locomation.ai for turnkey solutions directly after this show. Oh, hold on. Before headlines, oh, I forgot about this. It. We just got something in the mail. This is CPC Logistics Driver Salute. They said, sorry you couldn't make it to our Driver Salute weekend. We were actually at USA Trucks Tournament, the American That's Trucker right. Tournament. That's why That's we right. couldn't go to this. But they said, here's a welcome basket filled with St. Louis treats. This is from uh, Tom Bickle, Director of Marketing over at CPC Logistics. We haven't opened it yet, so uh, I don't know. Let's Shall do a little unboxing. Right. What do we got? Unboxers. A big there you ribbon. Go. There you Can go. you grab there you that go. out? What is it? Ba boom. What do we got? Is that oh, all it's wow. in? Here? CPC, CPC Logistics. We've got uh, wow, uh, man, popcorn and and uh, uh, chocolate covered cherries. All kinds of goodies in here. Looks like there's a uh, Fritz's soda in here, handcrafted sodas and all kinds of stuff. A, a hat. Wow. CPC. So yeah, very nice. Check that out. Yeah, CPC Logistics. Thank you so much for uh, giving us this basket. We yeah. really appreciate it. Absolutely. Good stuff. Let's get this uh, out of the way. Right here. All right. Whoa, there we go. Headlines, gonna, everybody. I'm just going to tear this down. Headlines. Thank you. There we go. U.S. companies move to break China's dominance of the rare earth industry. We got that mic back on track? Yeah, I got it, bro. All right, Noy Mahoney, he reports that. And this one comes up all the time. We're talking about these electric cars, right? You need all these minerals and batteries to make these things and taking control of the supply chain and nearshoring and reshoring. Well, Noy Mahoney reports that according to Washington, D.C. Center for Strategic and International Studies, China is home to about two-thirds of the global supply of rare earth elements and currently refines about 85% of those REEs for the worldwide market. The Biden administration and several global companies have taken steps to bring rare earth mining and processing back to the U.S., including the development of a rare earths factory and a $120 million commercial very rare earth separation facility, both of which are in Texas. 
Yeah, right. So the U.S. was once actually the largest supplier of rare earth elements, or REEs, right? From the 1960s the to the 1990s right there, and at actually 53 miles west of Las Vegas in Mountain Pass, California, having 60% of the global market. But then the Chinese government saw the potential and the long-term value there and uh, went there to try and corner the, uh, they tried to corner the market. And indeed they did, bankrupting most of the players within just a couple of, a couple of, a couple few years. Well, you want to know a secret? Yes. According to this, like rare them. earth elements are actually a misnomer. They're not actually rare at all. What? They're all over the place. I've been doing It's just they're, that they're difficult uh, and expensive to extract from the ground and the process for use in various industries. So uh, besides China, countries such as Vietnam, Brazil, Russia, India, Australia, and even the U.S., they have large reserves of this REE, but can't get out of the ground. You can't process it. I don't know how much that helps us, but it looks like they're making some inroads there. Norm Mahoney's got a great article, FreightWaves.com, to Check it out. Um, there's a story we're going to get into, but it's from backthetruckup.com. We'll go past that. We're a little short on time for that one. But it's oh, a trucker. Okay. He, found, he was fined $5,000 for reuniting an Albanian family. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when lockdowns were happening at the border, there was re-lockdowns. This family, they were stuck in the United States. They're trying to get over Canada. Truck driver threw him in the back of the cab, brought him over the border, got them back home safe, fined $5,000 yeah. for doing it. Yeah. Judge said he did the right thing the wrong way, though. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you got it, man. Still, he still broke the law. Every hero in every movie that you like is doing the right thing the wrong way. Not the hero you want. I'm Not the hero, hero you, you need. Hey, take a look at this this video before we get to our first guest. This is a wild one. It's kind of a mystery, too. We're not even sure what's happening here. So there's this truck driver. He was in Highway 6 in Oregon. He's just driving down the road. And as you're going to see, there's a man in a puffer jacket on his knees in the middle of the road right here. Um, yeah. And if you look over to the right, Michael Vincent, you can see that his wife or some lady is standing next to his SUV as this incident is going on. And it... Never the driver, reacts. yeah, the driver himself, he had no idea why this guy was here. He himself, he said he was kind of creeped out. He didn't stop. He just decided to drive along. And uh, I don't know. What do you make of all that? It's a mystery. It's very strange. He picks something up from the side there, perhaps trying to film the incident, trying to goat this guy into doing or bait this guy into doing something. I don't blame the driver for taking off because look, there is no reaction from this person on the right hand side. So these people, uh, modern day Bonnie and Clyde, stops, get outs to yell at them, and they, they rob them and take them or so. I don't know, but there is very little happening in the way of fear. Yeah, I would have. If I was a truck driver, I would have read this as a potential hijacking yeah, attempt, just absolutely. because of the way that the person was reacting. 100%. That would have tripped me. They're not freaking out. They're not doing anything. They're no. not trying to slow the truck. It mm -mm. seems really peculiar. No, 100%. I'm moving on just like that driver did. I don't want to know what's happening there. I'm out of here. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. go over to Bob Bordner. It's been a hot minute since we've seen him. He's the Mid-Atlantic Territory Manager at IMI Products. Bob, you're looking good over there. How are things treating you? And you got good Fourth of July plans? Thank you. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Appreciate you. Talk what do you think? What are you doing this fourth? What are you doing this Independence Day? You look like you're ready to be there. Well, thank you. <laughs> we, um, we're, we have a couple of family things planned. I may do a little bit of fishing. Trout fishing is pretty big here in Pennsylvania. And uh, just, just spending some time with the family. How about you, gentlemen? Uh, I'm same thing. I'm going down to North Carolina. My parents got a place there recently and jumping in the car, driving the kids, maybe stop by south of the border, you know, look at some Pedro yeah. billboards and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, yeah. You know, try to keep I'm all our fingers up. after we shoot off the fireworks. Yeah, we're going to go hit the river and do some tubing and stuff like that and then blow stuff up with fireworks. I knew you would. Amen. I knew you would. Now, Bob, you came at a, uh, a good time, but so a couple weeks ago, like three weeks ago, I think there was a road check week, right? And the focus of that road check week was wheel end. So we're going to talk today a little bit about tips and tricks for those wheel end savings. Tell us a little bit about uh, the wheel ends and some of those tips and tricks. Okay. So basically... If you have a tractor trailer that has new tires, new steer tires, new drive tires, the first 30 seconds of those tires wear off a lot quicker. And then as the tires start to uh, decrease tire 30 seconds, you get more miles per 30 second. But the key to all of this in a good tire maintenance program is getting to that last 530 seconds or so that's when the miles per 30 second increase substantially as well as fuel. So a lot of fleets don't get their tires to that point. They're pulling them prematurely because of tire wear issues, handling issues, driver complaints, and they never realize the benefits and the maximum miles per 30 second as well as miles per gallon at the end of the life of the tire. So the goal, we'll go over a couple of these tips, but the goal is to make sure that the tires in your fleet get to the very end of the life, say the five last 30 seconds, where you're going to have the best miles per 30 second and the best fuel. I'll tell you what, Bob, uh, 34 years and a number of those managing terminals for uh, Roadway Express, I, 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 I'm always checking them with a the dime, right? The head of the dime. You do that. Never knew that that was the goal there. I've never understood that. That's oh. that's incredible. That it really, you want to maintain those to get to that final uh, five, 30 seconds. It's amazing. So what are some of those tips, Bob? So probably the biggest thing you hear this all the time is air pressure. Air pressure would be the number one factor with tire wear. Overinflated, underinflated, you're going to have issues and you're not going to get the miles per 30 seconds that you want. So when I go to a fleet, I ask them what tire pressure they use and why. And a lot of them don't really know how to answer it. They'll say, well, it's what I was told to use. They'll say it's what's on the sidewall of the tire. A lot of people use what's on the sidewall of the tire. Well, that's not the optimal air pressure. Basically, the optimal air pressure, what you should do is have a loaded tractor trailer, put it on a scale, and all the major tire manufacturers have load inflation tables. So you pump in the information, the tire size, the weight of the load, and then that will give you the optimal air pressure. So the good way to look at this is a, is a truck that is hauling steel compared to a truck that is hauling pallets. The truck that is hauling steel is loaded, and you're probably going to use the max on the sidewall of that tire. Mm. The truck that's hauling the pallets are, is a lot lighter load, so they would want to take that down. They would want to, say, use 100 PSI instead of 110 or whatever the case may be. But there is a specific way to get the optimal air pressure for a fleet, and that would be get the truck weighed, Go to the load inflation tables that you can find online, and that will give you the optimal air pressure. And that, in turn, is going to give you the best mileage. You're not going to be overinflated, and you're not going to be underinflated. Bob, how often should we be rotating these tires to maintain them? Well, well, let's talk about the steer axle. So the 
in and of itself, rotating tires are going to gain 10 to 15% tire mileage, tire life. When you take your car in, you rotate your car tires. It never translates over to a tractor trailer, it seems. So you should rotate the steer tires two to three times the life of the tire, and you should do the same with the drive tires. What a lot of the fleets say is, well, it's too time-consuming, it's hard to track. So what I try and talk to them about is working it into their preventative maintenance program. So they already have the truck jacked up. They're checking brakes. They're checking whatever. It's pretty simple to unbolt the tire, move it to the other side, and bring uh, you know bring the other one over. So the steer tire rotation should be done two to three times the life of the tire, and it's simple. Right over to the left, left over to the right. The drive tires is, is a little bit different. You still want to do it two to three times, but the rotation kind of takes like a crisscross, you know, something like that. But the tire manufacturers will have exactly what they would recommend for that. But tire rotation is extremely important and should be done on a regular basis. And it's, it's really not, especially with the large fleets. What about alignment of the tires? Would it mean, I would imagine that alignment of the tires would be just as important, yeah? Absolutely. Alignment is huge. So that's what my background lies in. I, I, I've tracked these trucks and tires for a long, long time in my previous job. And alignment helps with a lot of things. It helps with tire mileage. It helps with more even tire wear and fuel. The other thing that a quality alignment will do is maintain your suspension components longer. You're not pulling and, and jerking the truck back. So alignment of, and here's the key part about it, is doing the entire truck, steer axle, drive axle, as well as the trailers. If you have one part of the truck that is aligned and the other one is off, you're not going to get the benefits that you would if the entire unit is going down the road properly. Wow. Wow. Hey, Bob, where do people go to get more tips and tricks on these wheel locks? You give us three great nuggets, and I know you got more on your site. Where should I send them to? There's plenty more. Um, www.imiproducts.com is our website. Uh, you can look on there. You can reach out to me, and we can talk about it. I'll answer any questions that you do have. And then before we get off of here, I just wanted to thank you. Gentlemen, we appreciate you having us on. Our team here at IMI would like to send you gentlemen a gift, a, a special IMI shirt. So I'd like to see what your tires, our tire sizes are, <laughs> what your shirt sizes are. Uh, our so spare tire sizes. My, my <laughs> tire size is an yeah. XL. <laughs> it depends on what my doctor okay. says. Yeah, we, we can go with the XL around here. <laughs> thank, thank you. Yeah, we're XL for, for the two gentlemen right on, up brother. on the table. I got an XL tire. Awesome. <laughs> thank All you right. so much, Bob. You, you and the family have a great 4th of July weekend. You too. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Bob. Hey, this next guy we had on, he has walked some of the same roads or driven the same roads as us. We were yes. in a Nikola truck like yes, two sir. months ago, and I saw right. on his LinkedIn that they just picked up a Nikola truck recently. Oh, right, Let's bring cool. Tyler DeMazzo up, manager of Midwest Operations over at PGT Truck, and we'll see how he's liking the truck, and we'll get into a little bit about getting a job as a truck driver, recruiting, and staying as a truck driver with retention. Tyler, gotcha. thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a great joy to be on. Yeah, we had an innovation showcase here at our headquarters a couple of weeks ago, and we got to sit inside one of those trucks, and uh, it's exciting for us and for the industry as a whole. Yeah, the one thing that we, our biggest complaint about that truck is we like the quiet ride, we like the pickup. Sure. We did not like that it didn't have a horn pull, though. 
That really annoyed us. That was that was my one qualm, and I think that's just, the fine folks in Nigla need to figure that one yeah, out. Yeah, even just fake it. Just fake it. Yeah, it just have matter. like a digital one that you uh, digital one, but still pull the pull the chain, man. Well, wow. so Tyler, it, Tyler, it's a you know, it, it it was kind of a no brainer to join transportation or maybe even get your own truck over the past two years, but that's kind of changed radically in the past year. So the conversation we're going to have today is maybe a little bit different than the one we would have had a year ago as the market shifts and maybe softens. Um, what are the keys to recruiting drivers now? How do you interest drivers right now when you can't just show them a load board rate and say, hey, uh, 450 a mile? Yeah, I think it's a lot of the soft things that we try to talk about. And, and, and the big one in, in my domain is the, the fleet manager and driver relationship. So really focusing uh, early on uh, during the recruiting process, we have all of our operations managers talking to uh, the drivers in the interview process, giving them a real um, life snapshot of what a, le- a week could look like, um, depending on where they live and what they're interested in doing, and just trying to get a lot of feedback and buy-in um, early on and setting expectations, both with what we have um, to offer and vice versa, you know, what they're looking for and ensuring we can meet those expectations um, to hopefully, uh, you know, give them what they're looking for in a driving position. Tyler, that makes a ton of sense, having those people in there, meeting those expectations both sides, because you want to make sure that that person who's looking for that job really is the fit, right? You need a driver, but they need to understand exactly what they're going to. Once you get them in the door, how do you keep them retained, though? I mean, their turnover's been tremendous and uh, and always has been, right? But how do you keep those good employees? Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it really does come back to the relationship between the driver manager and the driver. And it, it starts, like I said, in the interview process, but... Um, you know, every week we do an orientation class and we have our, our operations managers introduce our new drivers to about 75 people in the company and getting to know them, their family, uh, what their interests are and really starting that relationship um, from, you know, inception. And then we try to meet all of our drivers face to face within the first 30 days and really just go above and beyond um, in ways to try to connect with um, the driver, other than just moving loads up and down the highway. While that's critical and what we're all here for, um, really getting to know them um, on a personal level and you know, just having a fantastic relationship from the start. Tyler, is now a good time to become a truck driver or to stay with the trucking company? Um, is it also a good time, because we say trucking kind of a broad term, to, to go independent, or is it better to go and shelter yourself with a uh, larger carrier and go back to being an employee when the market is like it is? Yeah, I think it's a, it's still a great time to be a driver. Um, you know, we, we have unlimited opportunities here at PGT and, and some of the technology that we're investing in as well is exciting. Um, and I think the important thing in the, in the partners that we are uh, moving forward with, um, it doesn't eliminate the driver. Hopefully it attracts different types of drivers um, and, and really allow us to differentiate from um, some competition. And I think um, you know, with what the different things that we can offer to a driver and the amount of money you can make while still having a good uh, work life and home balance. Uh, I, I still think it's a great time to, to, to be a truck driver. Yeah. So, Tyler, this is a statement. People don't leave companies. Uh, they leave managers. So how true is that? What and how does that change your philosophy in dealing with employees? Yeah, I think that's a big one. And I think we what we try to do here is the, the fleet manager and driver ratio. We try to keep that low. It's typically around 25 to one um, so that whenever a problem does occur, because we all know in this industry they will occur, we can solve them quickly. 
And the, and the big thing we always talk about is follow up and follow through. Whenever there are problems, it's as simple as making sure we see it from start to finish and we solve that driver's problem. As little as it may seem, um, we know that those are, you know, th there's a lot of options to choose from out there from um, company to company. But I think uh, if, if we understand and hear and empathize what a driver's facing out there, then we're able to quickly solve their problem. And then, you know, they're not wanting to leave us to go to the next carrier. Now, Tyler, we're going to be doing a So You Want to Be a Truck Driver show in late July where we're going to give noobs who are interested in coming into the field a, yeah. a, bunch of, uh, a bunch of tips. What would you say to people who are interested in becoming drivers? What should they know before even approaching someone like PGT about getting into the business? Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. I think there's, there's so much to know. And I, I would say just start really small and just understand what the, the the company that you're going to be choosing has to offer. Um, the reality of it is, again, there's a lot of companies out there that you can choose from. Um, and, and there's a lot of similarities in a lot of the different trucking companies. And, um, you know, I, I think you want to make sure you do your research um, and, and get to talk to as many people as you can. We try to have multiple touch uh, points during the recruiting process, whether that be recruiting manager, the operations manager, the terminal manager, somebody from maintenance. So, um, and also, you know, talking to other drivers, we want to make sure we're being as transparent as possible and giving you the ins and outs, not just from our perspective inside the office, but also letting uh, potential drivers that come to work for us talk to drivers we have there out on the road currently. Um, so I think we try to get as many touch points as possible early on through the recruiting process. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, that that helps answer a lot yeah. of the issues and the questions that come up with retention, right? Because the more transparent and honest you are about the role, the more likely it is that you will be happy with the driver you get and the driver will be happy with the position right. that we're, we're put in. I remember we, we read, like, a strange argument a couple months ago that that drivers leaving jobs was a sign of, like, empowerment for them when, yeah. when really it's a right. sign of dissatisfaction. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. It's a sign of dis There are other jobs out there, but if Absolutely. they like the one that they had and all things being equal, then they would probably stick around. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And those that want to stick down, is there, or stick around, is there any advice, Tyler, to making yourself indispensable as a driver or being one of those that survives if there are cutbacks? As there are cutbacks we're seeing sure. in, in some of those ways in there. How, as a driver employee, do you make? Because it's not always just uh, seniority, right? Yeah, and, and I think the the transparency thing that we touched on that we try, it's a two way street, right? And we want our drivers to you know, be transparent with us and understand what they're they're going through. And just, you know, it all comes back to communication and good customer service and doing things safely. Um, you know, if you can do those things, you know, you really are, um, you know, you, you set yourself up uh, above of the rest to, you know, be a very good employee and a very good driver for us. Wow. Uh, Tyler, any other uh, advice you have before you let us go for those drivers right now who are thinking about, jump into that new company or maybe thinking about leaving their own? Yeah, I, I would say just really do your research. I think the big thing that we talked about even here mm -hmm. is th there's a lot of options out there, right? And a lot of people will tell you different things. Um, talk to as many people as you can. Do your research um, and, you know, always get a, another driver's perspective. Um, you want to talk to the drivers that work for that company because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are in the seat every single day. Um, it can give you the most transparent, um, you know, offering that that company has. And, you know, we I, I'm always happy whenever I can give, you know, some of our drivers phone numbers to, you know, prospects 
um, because at the end of the day, we want to make sure we're being transparent um, and they can get a, a perspective like no other from a, a fellow driver. Wow. Hey, great words, Tyler. We really appreciate it. People who want to learn more about PGT, where should we send them to? Yeah, absolutely. You can visit our website, www.pgttrucking.com. Um, you can find all the information, talk to our recruiters, um, or even give me a shout. Uh, I'm happy to talk to drivers um, and talk about the great things that are happening at PGT. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a great Independence Day weekend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Take it easy. Thank you. With fully furnished state-of-the-air repair trucks and a full array of roadside tools, you can expect the safest, fastest, and most painless response for your fleet from Love's Truck Care and Speedco. To learn more about their roadside assistance, where do they go, dude? They go to loves.com immediately after the show. Do it. Do cleanest, it. Cleanest gas stations out there. Cleanest I, gas I, 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 I had my vote on I our trip. At least on the Amen. way to... Uh, where are we going? We went Virginia. up to Roanoke. Yeah, Roanoke. Virginia. Yeah, it was no there. Yeah. All right, Absolutely. let's bring Graham Gonzalez, love, director of strategic accounts at Reliance Partners. What is up, Graham Gonzalez? Why didn't you why didn't you take Abby up on her offer to carpool with you? I didn't realize that Abby was kind of the same day or else we would have, but I left it like 4:30 this morning to get here from Nashville. Good to be in Chattanooga, but wow. uh, working at Reliance Partners HQ today. Uh, Took you a long time to get here, dude. From do you do you and Abby know each other? She's sitting what? right over. We could bring her Abby, come on up here. I mean, come on. I think you guys know each other from that Nashville transportation scene. I mean, we're all in Southeast transportation here. Let's all bring it together. Come on up here. Here comes Abby. She's running right in from the side. I've got a gift basket right This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Mike, I see the Sage Freight, sir. They're building some really cool things down at Sage Freight in Nashville, or I should say up in Nashville. Really cool brokerage. How how is that scene out there treating you? I know you're into music a little bit. I actually just picked up an SG a uh, couple few weeks ago trying to teach myself guitar. Oh, that's great. I'm making kind of a Frankenstein Telecaster right now out of a Ooh. brand called Welch. So, yeah, we dabble in music for sure. I think Mike and I are going to try and jam at some point in the near yeah, future. I, yeah, I was looking at your background and I see, you know, uh, senior host, host, waiter, Nashville. <laughs> that really means struggling musician in Nashville speak, right? <laughs> I mean, if I could get paid to write songs all day, why not? Hey, right. <laughs> well, they, Graham, it's 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 weird. You know, we're, you'd have to get whiplash if you were reading headlines because it seemed like last year employees were finally getting the power. Right? We all heard great resignation. You can go anywhere you want. You can call your shots. Mm-hmm. And then, like over the past month, there's just that's like the rug's been pulled out. They want people back in the office. There's been firings, especially in the tech industry. Economy's going downwards, and there's probably some. More, the honest truth is, there's probably some more firing in the books, but. What about transportation, Graham? Transportation, good place to go right now? Yeah, that's insightful. It, a lot of what we're really seeing is technology companies, but even JP Morgan, I think, just announced they're going to be doing layoffs as well. I hate I hate the term. Um, I've been a part of something similar in my experience. And so mm. what we're seeing is logistics is a really resilient industry because why? People aren't going to stop ordering things. They're not going to stop going to the grocery store. Our industry doesn't really sleep. It doesn't stop. And not only that, but it's always innovating. So while there are, even within transportation technology companies, um, you know, we've seen a lot of scaling and not a lot of, um, I'd say, management of the growth itself. And so in that, we're seeing some of these mass layoffs here as well. Why logistics is still a fantastic industry to get into is because it's constantly innovating. There's new, I mean, they're coming up with jobs and positions and companies and services that we couldn't have even imagined 10, five years ago. Some of them even this year, we're going to hear about some new things um, so because this industry doesn't slow down, because there's constantly training and innovation going into it, it's still and always is a great time to join the transportation space. It doesn't slow down. Yeah, I would agree with that. And a lot of a lot of the positions that you can get within transportation are, are kind of entrepreneurial in nature, wouldn't you say? 
Isn't that true, Abby? Yeah, I mean, like if you're a freight broker, et cetera, if you're bringing in the cash and you're making things move, you're good, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, how, how do you, so you guys know the Southeast scene. How do you two know each other? So Graham is our insurance provider. <laughs> yeah. And oh. We, it's really nice because, you know, we met, when did we meet? We met at a TTA bowling. Tennessee Trucking Association bowling event in yeah. Nashville. Yeah, but we've been like back and forth on LinkedIn and I've emailed him back and forth and it's just funny how LinkedIn... Who's the better bowler? Hmm, actually, I think <laughs> I was. Really? So that, that 300 game you posted is not true, Graham, is that right? <laughs> oh, uh, I need to go on my LinkedIn and delete that. <laughs> well, yeah. But, but you, you, you get involved with like the Nashville transportation scene and guys like John Brewer too, right? Yes. So yeah. I'm on the board. Graham's involved. We're just a big old transportation family down in Nashville, I think. Mm-hmm. So, Graham, what would you yeah, say? Really to, cool so in the context of this topic and especially in the context of the southeast, what would you say to students who are, you know, they're in the summer yeah. right now? Maybe they just graduated and they're not sure which direction they want to go. You know, this is this is a tough yeah. year. This got to be a really hard. I, I feel really bad for for young people right now. Now, I went through the 2009 mm-hmm. thing and I'm, a, you know, and it could all go wrong for us coming up here. But I feel especially bad for anyone coming into school right now with debt and you're seeing the economy go these directions. It's got to be scary. Um, transportation could be good, though. Southeast could be good. What's good here? Yeah, that, that's a great question. There's a lot of scary headlines out there about things starting to slow down. We're seeing it in trucking and logistics for sure um, in terms of the number of trucking accounts that are opening this year has started to slow down here. And so why it is still a good time for young people is because now there are colleges and universities that are taking a special interest in the supply chain. We're seeing supply chain management degrees mm-hmm. popping up all over the place. So maybe someone who has finished high school doesn't have a direction yet for their, um, you know, their career can now go to a two-year trade school, perhaps, and join the logistics pool. Not only that, though, students who have zero training are a great fit for logistics. The reason being is that as long as you're moldable and you're flexible, um, a lot of the skills can be picked up on the job at, let's say, a freight brokerage like Sage Freight. Um, If you're motivated and you're hungry, I think that um, you could have a really great and bright and profitable future at a brokerage like that. Otherwise, um, it doesn't slow down Um, logistics is well managed in many capacities. That's why it ha- we're not seeing the same type of mass layoffs in, let's say, freight brokerage as we are in a technology company who has been pumped full of cash, hasn't necessarily earned all of the money they have uh, so far to become profitable, and now they're having to report to someone because they've given away so much of their company. So that's mm-hmm. largely in logistics. What we're seeing is, um, you know, a, a difference in ownership there, and they're in hiring the right way. Well, I got to ask you then. So. Broad term, logistics, hiring logistics, you could be anything from a truck driver to a warehouse worker to a dock manager to at a freight tech startup. You could be in insurance. You could even Mm -hmm. be in media like we are up here. Mm -hmm. Let's look at freight tech for a second. You know, a lot of those venture capital fueled, venture capital funded. Is that a good market to look in right now or should you be a little bit nervous and maybe be looking at the 3PLs and the more traditional brokerages or maybe a truck driver or maybe some warehouse workers? We got to put all this crap someplace. (laughs) Well, I'm not an economist, but I, in my history, I've worked at the company. We work selling offices basically um, in a global portfolio. And we saw something similar a couple of years ago where there was a high valuation that, uh, you know, money wasn't coming in. It wasn't as profitable as it needed to be. And the company had to make some tough decisions and reached out to employees and said, hey, we're going to give you a notice if you want to go. Otherwise, you can, um, you know, try and stay and we'll see what happens. Basically, freight tech itself is 
you know, it's just been pumped full of cash as well. That doesn't mean that it's at all a bad time to join, but who am I to say if it's a, if it's a great time, I don't want to necessarily give that advice. There's plenty of pieces of the supply chain that are still hiring and that are still, I'd say doing, doing things in a more organic fashion, which seems to be, and is proven to be more sustainable. Yeah, Graham, isn't it important to look within the silos of the company when you're trying to make uh, some cutbacks? Because there's certain areas that where, you know, in this type of slowdown, you actually want to expand your investment in those areas in order to survive sure. it, correct? That's true. And headcount is such an easy way to get costs down. And it's so unfortunate that the same people who would build a company might experience the negative impact of, you know, let's let go of a bunch of people because HR isn't free. Payroll isn't free. Um, Mm -mm. Benefits aren't free. And so it's it's an easy way to get um, to become more profitable in a very quick manner. So there's definitely other areas to invest in in times of trial as opposed to just cutting, you know, cutting the easiest pieces of the company out of it and trying to stay above water that way. What about second chance hotels? So one of the beautiful things about logistics is this is a second life for a lot of us. I was in the music industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was I don't know what you were doing. Trying to build spaceships. Were you always in freight? Were you, did I, you, I was hunting Sasquatch. He was hunting Sasquatch. He was trying to be he was unsuccessful Sasquatch. Before it was cool. Yourself, Abby? What did you do before freight? I know what she did. What did I do? She was, uh, you were director of promotions at Country Jams. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I started in public relations. Well, and you, I've been following her career for like 20 years. Yeah. There you go. Well, and, and you were in WeWork. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about this industry, right? Is that we bring all these outside skill sets and we bring them together in a melting pot and potpourri that, that is freight. What mm-hmm. advice would you have for people who are with other industries? They've been reading all these supply chain head, uh, headlines on freight waves and in the mainstream media and across. And they go, you know what? That sounds like the place to be. What advice would you have for them? Sure. Well, you mentioned waiting and serving tables and hosting at restaurants, all those hospitality pieces and valet as well, as well as the sales and technology aspects of working at WeWork. All of that translates so well into the logistics industry. And I'm in a tangential industry myself being in insurance for the logistics space, but I'd still say all of that is applicable. Um, Hospitality especially goes really long in developing carrier relationships, let's say in freight brokerage. Um, any sort of tech or sales experience can be leveraged very heavily in the transportation space as well in a variety of categories. So all of these things are applicable. It's a great time to jump into a new industry that, again, people aren't going to stop ordering stuff at the grocery store. Stuff's still going to come in. Stuff is constantly on the go. These goods don't sleep. So it's a good time to join. See, Graham, that's why you remind me of my father. And it's not just because of the, of the beard. He, uh, he sold insurance as well. For the uh, maritime industry, actually. So very relatable. Now, people who want to uh, connect with you, Graham, they want to have more conversations. They like what they heard. They said, you know what? They're right. Logistics is where it's at. Or maybe they need some insurance. Or maybe they need some advice on if they should get a WeWork or not. Where do we send them to, Graham? (laughs) Of course. You can find me on LinkedIn, Graham Gonzalez. Otherwise, go to reliancepartners.com if you're actually looking for a job. We're hiring in sales, account management, marketing, business development. We're an insurance agency that focuses and caters to the transportation space and we'd love to have those conversations well thank you so much thanks for joining us have a great independence day weekend thank y'all good to see you take care peace yeah see they're hiring they're hiring all right now to to focus on our our special guest too now you did a run-in during graham and i know because you kind of knew each other and you could maybe bring some insight but introduce yourself to our wonderful audience yeah hey everybody my name is abby haffenbrettel i'm the vp of sales at sage freight and i'm very happy to be here so tell us a little bit about, he mentioned it, Country Jams. What did you bring from the world of Country Jams yeah. to logistics? Yeah. So I was in promotion. So I was kind of the behind the scenes person at music festivals. So I would grab the 
the performers, make sure they had everything ready in their green room, make oh, sure they're ready geez. to go by the time this they get up on stage. The toast is too small. Yeah. The I brown M&Ms like are removed yeah. from yeah, the, the punch yeah, bowl. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's why I moved on to Nashville. I'm originally from Wisconsin. So. Oh. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't have like a, uh, a Nashville accent. You don't have a twang. No, I don't have a twang, but I'm losing my Wisconsin accent. Yeah. Believe it or not. The nasalness is gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's no snow. For sure. There's no, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah, but you still crave Some, cheese curds, right? Yeah, bagels. Cheese curds, yeah. bagels, oh yeah. So did they have big ass ham Thursdays up where you were, or is that big just like ham? a yeah, or is that just like, like a Milwaukee thing? Uh, I don't know. I guess know it's a that, Milwaukee. It's a Milwaukee thing. I'm sorry. It sounds it sounds about right. It does sound right. It, it? I would think brats would be. Big oh yeah, brats. yeah, brats, absolutely brats, brats and beer in Milwaukee. Yeah. Oh sure. yeah. Sure. Well, Abby, today we're trying to give some advice out to people because I got a few mm-hmm. DMs and they were like, "Is this industry good? Do I need to come in here? Should I stay in here? I'm getting nervous." And um, we want to talk realistically about it, and we focused on some corners of the industry, and I personally have been in sales. Sales can be one of the hardest corners of the business you can be in. It can also be one of the most rewarding. What would you say to people interested in becoming sales reps in freight right now? Ooh. Yeah, I would say definitely go for it. I actually have a couple of people that are looking to get switch over to sales from like operations or recruiting or something wow. like okay. that. And honestly, for me, I don't even consider it sales. Mm. Um, I just consider it creating relationships. And if you're a good people person, then that's all that really matters. You know, Um, consistency, just making sure you're focusing on the prospect. It's really, really simple when you really get down to the bare bones of what sales is. It's connecting with somebody else in hopes of offering a service, period. So, so what would you say are the what are the skill sets that you look for or personality traits? What are the things that you look like or look for in a person and say, that, all right, this is my salesperson? I do think you have to be outgoing to be a salesperson, sure. especially when you're outside sales, because yeah. it's a lot of networking. You know, going to conferences, making a name for your company, and representing mm-hmm. your brand. I think is a huge aspect of sales. But on the other side, you know, if you are a little introverted, inside sales is great as well. You know, I think like. When I started in sales, it was a lot of detective work, and I love that part of it because how fun! Like oh, you the know, prep and the prep and investigation. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's like when you're dating and you're trying to like find this guy's Instagram. <laughs> Cyber it's the same exact thing. I took that same like skills for finding guests for this this show and how I research guests. I prospect them. Like I yeah. I, I see what they're talking about. Right. Does it make sense? Well, it makes sense to the audience. And what kind of information can I? Find out on them yeah. so we can have these kind of conversations because it always makes for better interactions and better rapport because you can know what people are up to. That brings up a great point, too. How valuable do you think social media is for sales reps these days in letting people sort of know who they're dealing with? You know, personally, I think it's super valuable. And I think a lot of companies are starting to realize that um, with COVID, Everything has gone online, I think. I think, like, you know, you guys with Freight Waves, everything that's kind of sparked up without being able to travel has been huge. And now you're seeing all these companies really put out TikToks. They're they're creating a different form of advertisement and marketing for their company that is innovative for our industry. You know, our industry is so old school that this is new and fresh and exciting. And I think that's a great way to get in some of these new people that want experience transportation. Like, you know, you go on, um, you know, Freightvana, for example. They're a competitor, but I love what they're doing with their social media, and it's exciting for new people that have no, yeah, yeah. no experience in. And, and the CSR, they're planting trees and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So, uh, so this leads me to my question that 
one of my you, you always see you see you don't always but you see ABC always be closing right mm. isn't this kind of counterintuitive to that doesn't always be closing kind of annoy the hell out of you sometimes hey I'm gonna link in with you now I'm we're, we're, and then they immediately try and yeah. sell you yeah that's the person you hit connect and yeah you instant, go, instant DMs yeah instant yeah. DMs you right and I think that's a difference between a good salesperson and a bad salesperson because. A good salesperson will realize when the opportunity is, when the buying window is available, mm -hmm. and establish that relationship in the front end. You know, it could take three years to close an account. Sure. It could take 30 days. You never know. So getting that groundwork laid and having that relationship and looking at relationships over opportunities, you know. You don't want to be friends with this person just because they have this freight and you want it. You want to be friends with them because your industry well, right. it's it's that swapping of ideation, of knowledge, of, of those type of things that is really the true uh, 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 networking that you want to get, right? Because then all of a sudden somebody goes, oh, you need this. Oh, I know Abby. I met her. She's really brilliant. If she can't help you, she'll know somebody that is. Exactly. And, and that type yep. of thing, right? Yep. Well, I think it, part of the approach, like I, this was my, my first year of sales, I... I was terrible. I would have only landed maybe the most eager of accounts because I did the same pitch all like terrible sales reps do, which is you put messaging out there for people who need something right this second instead of mm. message that's tailored to actual people's needs or to creating some sort of long-term relationship. And it was like, and one of the reasons is in Salesforce at the company I worked for, they had goals, right? They had like KPI goals. And beyond just making numbers, you had to have something ridiculous, like 12 in-person calls and like, which is impossible in Boston, and 35 um, on the yeah. phone call. So all you're really doing in that job for my, your first year is getting to the ones you can do and then just like putting BS in Salesforce. I mean, that that's when the methodology yeah. becomes, becomes um, doesn't really enhance the outcome. Yeah, a lot of companies look at quantity over qualities. And that's where you get a lot of people faking their calls, calling you know the local Arby's and putting them on hold just to get their call time up. That's never gonna help anybody in the long run. So having those metrics are good to set goals for the individual and have like benchmarks. Mm. But when they're, you know, you have to make this quota or yeah. you're gonna be screwed. I think that's a old school way of doing sales. And I don't think that's gonna get the results that you really want. Yeah. So I, I love everything that you're saying. I agree with your philosophy quite uh, uh, quite a lot. It's, how did you manage going through the last couple of years where you couldn't fall down without without making money, right? I mean, there's a danger of losing those relationships that you build up because there's so much freight being thrown at you as a transportation carrier, right? You, you run the risk. How did you guys manage that? Well, it, again, it all stems down to relationships and having that yeah. trust. So with my customers, we have that ability to have those conversations on the front end. So if there's too much freight and we can't handle it, we'll have those conversations. It's easy as that. Yeah, and managing those expectations, right? Exactly. Yeah, because yep. yeah, things get screwed up. It's how you handle them. But yep. what, what, so what is the biggest change, though, you think as a salesperson? What strategy do you have to use to continue to make your numbers, to look good for management, to succeed in an environment like that when it changes, when it changes pretty drastically from the year before and the outlook looks like it may not be great. How should you be thinking as a rep right now, now and long-term? I think focusing on small goals, not necessarily like, okay, how many customers did you land, but giving yourself small metrics to be able to present to your leadership. So, okay, maybe you didn't land five customers yeah. this 
quarter, but you know, I got traction with this. I got in the, I, on these many RFPs. I'm building this rapport with these companies so that you're still having these small wins that'll motivate you to keep going and keep selling and mm. won't discourage you. But you know, it's not just based on, okay, how much revenue did I bring in this month? Because yeah. it's changes and you can't control that a lot of the times. You know, my, go my um, job is to bring in the opportunities and then from there, it, it could go either way based on our rates, based on our carrier base, right. what matches. You don't want to work with somebody that it's not going to make sense for them to work with you. So if you try to push your way in, it's not going to be a good customer and it's not going to be sustainable. So having those small metrics that'll just keep you going and keep you on the next hump and always be preparing your pipeline for 90 days in advance. Yeah, it's keeping that, that pipeline full. And as a manager, knowing who's got that pipeline that's going to make that overnight success, because that overnight success takes like three years, mm -hmm. right, to become yeah. an overnight success. Yep. How do you manage that with those people who've got, you got this elephant that they're really working on. They start focusing on that and they forget all these little rabbits that are running around, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that the mm -hmm. game with some of these, some of the new sales reps? Oh, 100%. You, you hear a big name and you think, oh, this is it. If I land this big name brand customer, it's going to change the trajectory of my career. Yeah. Which... It's crazy, but a lot of times those big customers, are, you're not going to make much money. And it could take many years before you even get things rolling. Sometimes they kill your career. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's just, you know, and as a salesperson, you really need to get that internal buy-in too. Making sure your team understands the opportunity with these smaller accounts that could give you immediate opportunities that could build to a lot more that aren't using 300 other carriers that you have to be competitive and fight for back and <laughs> right. forth, you know? Right. Well, and the sales reps, you know, they're going to be back in demand, especially as freight demand, if it drops off a little bit, that's when you start getting more sales reps. Well, the trend we were seeing last year was a lot of CSR reps were getting hired because freight yeah. was selling itself. So a lot of companies that weren't in, like, massive growth period, they were bringing CSR reps to handle all of these different accounts that were coming in. But I think that uh, sales hiring could be back up. And, you know, in freight, it's, it's tough, but if you... If you listen and you make it through year one and you're proactive, you made a good point too. If your sales cycles start getting extended and you think there's anomalies are happening, be transparent with your manager or at least make your pipeline look good in the CRM. Because if your numbers are looking really bad, there's a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah. on your manager. They look in there and your pipeline looks like the worst. You might be the first one of the house. That's just mm. how it works sometimes. So <laughs> yep. remember to use the sales force. <laughs> Even your boss has a boss. One major piece of advice that I've noticed going from a couple different companies is the thing that really helps me is working for a company that you're passionate about because the passion will sell itself. Yes. And it's so, you know, I, I don't use a script. I don't, I don't, I don't, I've read a lot of sales books, but I don't really utilize a lot of this stuff I learn about Miri, you know, you got to do this, you got to do this. Cause it's so box in a box. Yeah, but yeah. if you just work for a company that you understand their purpose, you understand their why, you know, what they're doing, it's going to be so easy. You can basically and believe just, in it. Believe yeah, in the mission. Believe in it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've been too serious. Let's look at some. Okay. Let's look at some crazy videos. Big deal, little deal. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. Let's, go let's, let's go see what we got. Big deal. Who's the first? Yeah. I've already seen this one. All right. Big deal, little. This sign said no right on red. Look at this video. Ah! What's going on here? Ah! I, I believe he's yelling oh, in Spanish. Stop! Stop! Take the truck. I'm not sure what happened though. Did he steal the truck? They're smacking. Accidentally? It's, it's sideswiping a car on the side of the road. Oh, <laughs> the oh, light okay. says no turn on red. Care, he took a red care, anyway. Take care, take care. And he's gone. And he's, he's gone. gone. See ya. Now, it's not like he didn't notice that. 
right? I would say he would have to notice that that was stuck. <laughs> did, did, so what I don't see in the beginning of that one is did 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 he pull out there to make that, and then the van kind of snuck in beside him? That's the key piece of evidence I don't have. You, oh, you think that might be road rage? It could be. Okay, reverse like a stolen. Yeah, truck. I don't know. Be. We need more details could on be. that one. What do could you be. think, Abby? Um, I could barely see. <laughs> <laughs> she could barely see. I really bad eyes, so I was trying to like. Okay, it. well maybe you can see this one better. Yeah, here's yeah. here's one. Look out, food delivery. Here comes a new bike. Check this one out here. I don't know if this is going to be a. Ch- What's the dealio <laughs> oh. going on here? Um, I, this is like from you know we were talking about Jurassic Park. You spent so much time figuring out if you could, you didn't ask should if you, you. If you should. Whoa. <laughs> no, what is that? Why? So why <laughs> do you split the wheels in half? What's the benefit? Uh, it's we cool looking. I mean, I guess you could extend oh. the back a little bit, so maybe you could put a bigger d- delivery. It, you just put thing, another like whole a, wheel. Wouldn't it have taken less yeah, time? Yeah. Well, well, here's the thing: I, when people make startups like this, and this happens in trucking a lot or any type of delivery, you have to understand the logistics of repair, right? And when you decide to make mm-hmm. something new like this with these half tires that most people can't get anywhere, a lot of EVs are dealing with this right now. Yeah. Too. A lot of trucking companies are like, "Look, we hit deers all the time. Cars get broken. We need things you can pull off the rack and get repaired quick." Bike like that. That's not happening not really there. Cut it. And I heard when he went down the steps, you went, oh, like that's the motivation. Like, is it- but if you notice, he hit two bumps instead of one yeah, you can on the still back. Go down steps yeah. like right? That. You're still hitting two I bumps. Know. I don't buy it. Dooner is turning back his, his cafe lot there. Are you when a, it gets bit, are you a big guy. biker? Me? Yeah. Oh, no. You and John Brewer ride tandem bikes down there at the uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> National Treasure. We should. <laughs> Our next event. John, tandem bikes. John, let's do it. Well, <laughs> it, on the golf course, never approach an alligator. Here's one of the reasons why. Yes. Uh, take a look at this alligator. And this, so this, this, there was a, there's a guy who lives on this golf course, and he was saying a month ago, he was like, look at all these. He goes, hey, uh, alligator adventure. Found your next exhibits behind my condo in Myrtle Beach Golf, and yeah, there are three of them in this picture. These are giant. Um, uh, alligators. Well, it, it came to roost. The 11-foot alligator ate a man in Myrtle Beach at the Yacht Club community. Uh, Fox News reports a Myrtle Beach Yacht Club community member is dead after a vicious attack by an 11-foot alligator. Um, he took hold of, of, the, of the victim. He did what alligators do. They did the death roll, brought him under the water, and they recovered him uh, dead. Now they got to euthanize the alligator. I am... I'm not, I'm not a fan of alligators. I'm kind of scared of them. What do you think, Abby? No. Nope. 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 Bye. Now, not a lot of Wisconsin either. Maybe it's because I'm, like, I'm from the Northeast. Like, I'm not used to alligators. So, so when I moved, I learned a couple facts about these. Well, you know, facts from locals. So yeah. they're probably facts, right? They weren't out of books. Yeah. Like if, they're, if they're in the water and you can see the yellow of their belly, yeah. stay away because they're hungry. They float okay. higher. Oh. So you can see it. Yeah, yeah. I'll that's, stay, that's I'll just stay away in, in general. Yeah, yeah, but that's what's my... See, coming from Ohio, so it's like, you're like, screw it. I'm just not going near the damn thing. We live in a country that like eradicated like buffaloes and tries to take out wolves all the time. Like, how are there still alligators here? They're really like um, dinosaurs. I know. They're so prehistoric. Living. They are. They just respect they are. and love them in Florida. They are. No kidding. <laughs> what do you so, got? Hey, check, so according to uh, CTV News, this is, now check this out. U.S. couple vacationing in Las Vegas got a surprise notification from their doorbell, from their ring doorbell here. Check out this dog jumping up what and down here, right? They're shocked watching this thing here. This <laughs> dog was, so they went on vacation. The dog was at a pet hotel. He okay. escaped Shut and up. found his way home and started ringing a doorbell. Oh, my gosh. If we are listening to the sound here, the, the owner's trying to talk to this dog and trying yeah, to calm him down while they have somebody coming in. They're on vacation, and they're talking to their dog who's at their doorbell ringing it. Say, That's crazy. <laughs> let yeah. me in. We don't deserve dogs. Well, let me ask you this. So according to this, they're calling the dog hotel to come and get them. They're talking to him to try. Would you call back the same hotel he escaped from or, like, another one? <laughs> 
I mean, I would probably call the same hotel back because I'm not paying somebody else to go get my dog. Nah, that's true. That's true. They're going to get him. Well, again, it looks like it's in the middle of the night too, right? Yeah. Uh, someone yeah. does eventually come by in in that video when you're watching it, and they're telling the dog, they're like, uh, whatever his name is, no, Dexter, like Dexter, Dexter, sit, Dexter. That's right. Dexter, wait. And you bring up a good point. He was like, I would never have him back, but if it's the middle of the night, you you got to get back. You got to get him back too. somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Where can people go to learn more about you and Sage? Yeah, so you can go to sagefreight.com. You can check out our LinkedIn. Um, I just set up our Instagram, nice. so you can go follow us right. there. You can find Abby at Sage on LinkedIn. You can find me at Timothy Duner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R on Twitter. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Look up Back the Truck. Subscribe to this wherever you get your audio podcast. Don't be a stranger and tell him how to be, Michael Vincent. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere.